Hello, everyone. Welcome to the official PlayStation podcast, episode 365. I'm your host, Brett Elston, joined by two co-hosts. We have Kristen Zatani. Hi. And, of course, Justin Massengill. Howdy do. Why do you say, of course, I actually haven't been on this show for a couple weeks. Uh, It just felt like the right amount of uh, (laughs) pomp and uh, to do. And uh, I appreciate it. Uh, You flatter uh, me, sir. A bit uh, of a to do. Episode 365. You could officially listen to the PlayStation (laughs) podcast every day for a full year. We've been doing this (laughs) show for one whole year now. Can you imagine that? (laughs) Man, if anyone wants to partake in that uh, trial, uh, hit us up in 2021. Let us know how it goes or how (laughs) how it went. I should say one episode a day. Uh, Here are your keys to insanity. (laughs) Um, but yeah, we're going to get things kicked off. We'll be talking about uh, this week's, uh, or I should say next week's new release highlights. A uh, quick overview of what's coming to PlayStation 4. A uh, quick bit of news. And then uh, in the middle of the show, we have our friend Sid Schumann, who's interviewed Nate Fox and Jason Connell from Sucker Punch to talk about Ghost of Tsushima, which Fun as fact, of this... Fun re- yeah. I just learned during today's State of Play that it's not pronounced Connell. It's Jason oh. Connell. Connell. Oh. Yeah. Well, right. I think I heard that right. I think uh, I've been mispronouncing his name this entire time, and I have like interviewed him live on stage before. I feel like a real jerk. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it always gives, tough it with him, names. It gives him one pass to call you Jason. Oh, okay, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I derailed uh, you there, Brett. No, it's always uh, that's a whole other topic of what names have you been called in email and had written on your coffee cups. Um, <laughs> my favorite the list, one the list could go on and on. Yeah, my favorite one of all time is just bread, like the food. Bread. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I just kind of Elston. Why do yep. I love that so much? <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, and I just kind of like smiled and nodded. It's like it's fine, whatever. <laughs> I am convinced that that is actually they they do that on purpose to get people to take pictures pictures of their cups and share them on social Ooh, media. This tin hat. I think hat it's theory. a viral marketing thing. I, I, I swear, like, I, I am 100% convinced that that is an intentional thing they do. Amazing. Well, I'm sure someone does just for the, like, the off chance someone will actually Instagram this hor- this massacring of my name. But uh, this isn't the show for that. Uh, can be if you want. Let us know in the comments. Uh, we can change. We can pivot real hard. Um, but, yeah, we can get into uh, kick it off with this week's, uh, again, next week's. I'm obsessed with this week. It was a busy week here. Um, but next week's. Circle. Yes, yes. Uh, it's always Thursday and Friday. Um, but yeah, next week's new releases, uh, we've got a nice little uh, summary here. Uh, kicking off with uh, Golf With Your Friends coming out May 19th. Uh, and who doesn't love to golf? And then parentheses with your friends. Yeah, yeah, I watched the trailer for this. It looks really fun. Like the 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 golf course levels are, there's like some Egyptian themed ones. They're, they're just like very wacky looking levels. And I saw you can play up to 12 people. 12. So is this, do you, do you take turns or is it everybody golfing at once? That is a great question. I think it's you take turns because isn't that like the nature of golf? I don't know. I mean, Who's it's video games. Who knows? <laughs> That's a fair yeah. point. Everything you thought you knew about golf goes right out the window. I saw a lot of excitement when this game got announced. A lot of people like, wait, it's coming to PS4. That's awesome. So uh, looking forward to checking that out. I'm also excited for Gorn, which is coming to PlayStation VR on May 19th. This is a very cartoony, very bloody uh, gladiatorial simulator. Unless you uh, turn on pinata mode. <laughs> unless you 
you turn on pinata mode. That's right. Um, we made a uh, great use of those pinata mode gifts uh, so we could show off Gorn on our social channels without getting in trouble. Um, Gorn looks like a delight. I am very excited to just flail my arms and send these cartoony, chunky, uh, just weird looking characters flying <laughs> across arenas. Uh, it's going to be a blast. I can't wait. Nice. Uh, so also to round out May 19th, we have the wonderful 101 remastered uh, coming to PS4. I never played this game, but I remember hearing a lot about it. Did either of you guys ever play it when it first came out? I actually did not either. Um, it's it, one it's like that, that it's a, it's like you're a bunch of these like it's like these tiny superheroes and like yeah. they, they meld together to form like a sword or or a fist or whatever you need it to be to, to fight back. Um, it looks like really silly and fun. I don't know. So I'm I'm very excited for folks that have it's been that, waiting for this to be remastered. Classic Platinum Games weirdness. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to finally have a chance to play this one because I did miss the original release. Nice. And speaking of uh, silly and fun, but uh, <laughs> mixing with the bloodiness of Gorn, I guess, uh, oh is God. Maneater coming out on May 22nd, which um, in, in which you are a shark uh, that eats Love it. people. Love um, it. And uh, just going off the trailers, um, it's definitely reminiscent. And, and I think this is a favorable comparison uh, to the Jaws Unleashed game from PS2, like from about mm-hmm. 10 years ago or so, where... It's like, how would a shark know to do the things that this shark is doing where you swipe people like their key cards and stuff? And it's <laughs> it's uh, and the, looking at Maneater, it's like, what if the shark had electric powers? What if that happened? Um, and so a lot of these I'm just nodding along going, yes, do that. Cool. Mm-hmm, More of that, mm-hmm, please. Mm-hmm. Um, so excited to see how nuts it gets, because um, everything about like the font they use to the way the trailers look, it just looks like if a shark like chugged an energy drink and just went insane. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, fantastic. And then the final new release highlight for next week is going to be saints row. The third remastered launching on May 22nd for PS4. Uh, this is, uh, I think a lot of people would say saints row. The third is regarded as one of the best in the series. Um, I think it was kind of the big, uh, it was that, franchise's big breakout title where I think it kind of hit critical mass and everybody got super into Saints Row. Um, And it also just like ratcheted up the ridiculousness to 11. Uh, Some great set pieces uh, backed by some excellent uh, soundtrack moments in that game. Uh, So should be a fun one to revisit. Nice. Yeah, that was definitely where they found this like what if we did this instead and you know trying to really carve their own niche for uh the open world games and yeah the third is when saints row became the saints row we all kind of know today so yeah if you missed it that first time around uh may 22nd uh remastered baby um moving ahead into news that uh so in honor of sid who will be showing up later in the interview uh (laughs) this is the news you can use if you so choose section um, imagine a cool jingle here. Uh, we'll, we'll get it, it next time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, some exciting news. It was a very busy week, uh, if, which if you were following along on social channels, uh, you probably saw some a couple of busy days in here. But uh, one of the big pieces of news uh, that a lot of us uh, leapt up out of our seats for uh, was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, yes. uh, which was revealed earlier this week. Um, yeah, just kind of fully rebuilding the first two Tony Hawk uh, Pro Skater games uh, from late 90s, early 2000s. Um, many 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 of us i'm sure spent uh periods of whether it was our adolescence our childhood or for me i was already well, uh, 19 or 20 by the time these came out but 
but still that era it was just it was just inescapably cool like these were reinventing skateboarding games the soundtracks uh which seem to be largely intact it sounds like they got a lot of those bands uh coming back um but everything just felt good it played well and it was just so much fun to to skate around and do crazy stunts and with all these uh celebrity skaters at the time um and yeah just to see these kind of brought back to life i'm very excited yeah me too i'm I'm so done I have so many good memories playing this game. Uh, specifically, there was a kid down the street from us that was friends with my brother that he had a copy of it. So we would always go over to Kyle's house to play. Uh, and I wasn't yeah. even friends with them, but I would pe- be like, please, please, please just let me play Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Um, and it was like one of the earliest things that I would bond with my brother over that he was like, I guess we'll let you play. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I am very excited to not have to ask for permission anymore. I can just play when I want to. <laughs> One um, memory that is burned permanently into my mind is just being holed up in my room with that that warehouse demo and oh, just yeah. playing it over and over and over. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater was such a revelation. Like it, it defined an entire genre. Um, so yeah, to see it coming back and like, if you look at some of the, uh, then and now comparison clips that are out there, holy moly, what an upgrade. It looks so good. Yeah. All right. Well, moving along, uh, earlier this week, we also unveiled the, the new branding for PlayStation studios. Uh, you guys might've seen this. It's an opening animation that's going to be in front of, uh, any games that are launching on PlayStation 5 that are being developed by Worldwide Studios. And it had this like really slick opening animation that has a couple of characters that you guys are probably familiar with. You got, you know, Nathan Drake, you have Aloy, there's Kratos, uh, there's Ratchet and Clank. Uh, so if you guys haven't checked it out, it's over on YouTube. Um, but g- get ready to start seeing that in front of what will soon become your favorite PS5 games. Exciting stuff. Yeah. Uh, we've also got uh, the winner for the Player's Choice poll for April. Uh, Ooh, surprise, what? surprise. Any guesses as to what the winner for April was? Uh, I'm not even going to give you a chance to guess. It was Final Fantasy VII Remake by <laughs> a landslide. I think it took home something like 74% of the total votes or something ridiculous. So it just um, squeaked by. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they managed to clinch the victory in the final minutes of the, of the voting, uh, period. So, um, yeah, I'm still working on the, uh, the platinum for FF7 remake. I have admittedly gotten sucked back into final fantasy 14 in uh, the last week or so. Um, but I have not given up on FF7 remake. (laughs) Uh, I am definitely going to go back and finish that hard mode playthrough and get that gosh darn platinum at some point oh man how, but we've got Tilly 2 coming out soon and we've got ghost of tsushima coming soon Oof, i got uh how, how gotta, far into it have you gotten through hard mode have you I had to do just, hell house in hard mode i just got to wall market on hard <laughs> mode Oh my god! Uh, and yeah, I've heard the legends of the Hell House battle on <laughs> hard mode. So uh, yeah, apparently there's like three Tonberries at a time out to get you while you're fighting it, and like, uh, ugh, I don't know. Like that might be where I decide the platinum isn't happening, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Well, Godspeed. At some point, I really want uh, us to go. I don't know when a spoiler cast is due, but we're just about a month after launch. At some point, we uh, I would love to go just all in on the ending and how everything shakes out and blah, blah, Let's blah. Chris and I already did that. Yeah, um, we did. We did we like a mini one because we were the only ones who had done it, who had finished it yet. But now that like, I think everybody but Sid at this point has, has finished it. And even me, perhaps everybody in the world, but Sid. <laughs> everybody in the world. Uh, but yeah, no, we should definitely do a part two now that more people can speak to it. Cause uh, it's just such a, and obviously, you know, PlayStation fans seem to also agree that it is uh, the game to talk about. So 
This is now the Final Fantasy cast. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm. Whenever we want to do that, let me know. Uh, but yeah, other piece of news came out this week. Quick hit on Predator Hunting Grounds launched last month, but uh, big piece of news is Dutch returns uh, from the original Predator film yes. into Predator Hunting Grounds. Um, but you can find more on PS Blog uh, about that and when it's happening later in the month of May. It's the first of a series of updates coming. There'll be a handful of updates throughout the year, um, which you can see detailed on the blog, but really exciting to see that character come back. And uh, they also touched on audio logs, tapes that'll be uh, later around that you'll be able to find that also speak to the character. So some exciting stuff there for later in the month on predator hunting grounds. Nice. So awesome. Uh, well, speaking of like eighties action heroes, uh, you guys might've seen that RoboCop is coming to mortal Kombat 11, yes. uh, as well as Fujin and Shiva who are all coming in the update on May 26. But you guys, RoboCop, <laughs> I've seen RoboCop so many times and to see him like come to life in, in those <laughs> fatalities is just absolutely insane to me. Uh, We've got and some gameplay of, details for yeah. him at PlayStation blog too. Uh, and it, he just looks bonkers. Yeah, they they dive into a couple of like the different uh, versions of RoboCop that are included, but then it also sort of talks about how they were able to scan and record. It's with Peter Weller himself, um, who, fun fact, did not know that he is a doctorate and that his PhD <laughs> yeah. is in Italian Renaissance art history. Who who knew? Wow. Fun, yeah, fun, he's, fun things you learn on the blog. It's incredible <laughs> to see what I mean. Mortal Kombat's always been, you know, with the guest characters and stuff. It's always been a treat, but to see RoboCop fighting Terminator for the first time, like <laughs> since the nineties or whatever with the RoboCop versus Terminator games uh, and comics and all that tie. in I was like two things made me just genuinely smile and, and, and practically squeal with delight uh, was seeing in the trailer uh, like RoboCop and Terminator going at it, which is great. Um, but then also Ed 209 coming in from behind and putting his classic posture where he leans over and his gun, these giant gun cannons come down and it just made me like, I, I don't know that, that design is so it's my absolute wow. Cool future meme, uh, kryptonite where <laughs> you always try to keep in mind, like the lessons of a lot of science fiction and why they're, why they're using this veneer of sci- sci-fi in the far future to tell a story so that you go, Oh, I didn't think about it this way, but that applies to my real life. Interesting. So you watch the original <laughs> RoboCop, a lot of stuff going on in that movie, but Ed 209, the, the whole point of this like large impractical thing that can't walk downstairs and can't detect threats from regular citizens and all that stuff. It's like, who cares? Don't care. He's shooting Sub-Zero now. It's fine. <laughs> speaking of be. sub-zero the um uh another thing coming in mortal kombat 11 aftermath is friendships and uh oh, yeah. we've got clips of a couple of those and they are so funny i was just cackling on my couch watching these um sub-zero like runs off screen just like giggling and comes riding back in on an ice cream cart and like pulls an ice cream bar out and uses his frost powers to like frost up the ice cream bar and just like like dances it around in front of him it's so good and then scorpion has one where he does the he throws the chain out and says get over here and he pulls a big stuffed teddy bear back to him and just hugs it (laughs) so good I can't get enough of it. I, I'm going to go back and watch those again after this. I love it. 
Amazing. Um, but we've also got, uh, moving on from Mortal Kombat 11, as much as I'd love to keep talking about it, um, we debuted a new, <clears throat> excuse me, the first in a four-part video series focused on The Last of Us Part 2. This one is uh, focused on the story. The series is called Inside The Last of Us Part 2, uh, shockingly. Um, but yeah, the first episode gets into the story and how Naughty Dog uh, took on the task of following up one of the most revered video game stories of all time uh and uh the passion that naughty dog has for the project shines through in this video uh i'm excited to see the other three in the series yeah so those should be dropping one a week i believe yeah every wednesday there will be a new episode until they get to the fourth one and then there won't be any more (laughs) and then we'll have a game yeah, and not long after Last of Us Part Two launches in June, we've got Ghost of Tsushima right behind in July, uh, which we just this week, uh, as of this recording, we kind of just wrapped up a big state of play, long 18-minute gameplay debut uh, yeah. for the game. So if you missed the, the live broadcast, uh, be sure to hit up the VOD, the video on demand uh, version of it, which you can watch uh, in 4K on Facebook. Is that the only place, or is it also YouTube? It's all, it's on YouTube, YouTube as, well, as yeah. well. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, you can watch it in stunning detail uh, over there as well. Actually, um, I think it might only it? be on YouTube. I'm not sure if we have the 4K version on Facebook. Well, okay. either way, it absolutely is stunning. Like what? What an episode! Like 18 minutes flew mm-hmm. by in a way, but like going back and just looking at every little individual detail, I loved how it had like little pop ups that were telling you like, "Oh, this is guiding wind," like explaining what the different features were while you were watching it. It was just it was yeah, a the really presentation smooth, was great. Yeah, it was a really smooth presentation, but just, the game just looks gorgeous. Like yeah, I the, 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 go ahead. The guiding wind that you mentioned is such a, a brilliant feature yeah. and such a smart way so to subtle, handle the idea like of like, well, we don't intuitive. want a big glowing arrow on the ground showing you where to go. Yeah, it's very intuitive and it just it naturally blends into the world uh, and it's it just it looks absolutely stunning. I think one of my favorite shots was uh, they were showing how you can change your armor and like customized for different colors and different dyes depending on what you have and it was just the shot of Jin like running through the forest while his armor changes yeah that was cool super super cool Um, they showed off some great photo mode stuff too yeah the photo mode looks incredible like super interactive they're really uh pushing for you to to create stuff in motion it's not purely Mm -hmm. just like take a screenshot like you can add you know falling leaves you can add wind you can add music even it said that you could like change what soundtrack was happening in the back i Um, love it and real quick shout out um to uh the people who implemented photo mode there for using actual aperture values um, Mm. when talking about depth of field instead of it just being like a zero to 100 slider uh, just as a photographer that is a nice little nerdy detail that I appreciate so I see you sucker punch thank you Mm -hmm. yeah I mean they they definitely have an appreciation for uh, just like the cinema of it all you know like which speaking of they have that the samurai (laughs) cinema mode uh, that they showed towards the end which is just like ups the wind factor black and white like you know like film grain and stuff yeah it just it looked really really slick Um, incredible yeah i'm i'm very excited for that how do you guys think you're gonna end up playing like do you think you're gonna lean more towards like the samurai build or more towards the ghost build because it seemed it depending on like what your your loadout is how you want to play will be very different so let me tell you what i'm uh, this is going to sound really bad, but, uh, it's really bad timing. Um, because I'm not sure if I've ever talked about this on the podcast, but, uh, my wife and I are expecting in mid July, which happens to also yeah. be when 
Ghost of Tsushima is launching. Little baby girl. Uh, yeah. So um, the, the first thing that they'll see, they'll open their their sweet little baby eyes and see <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima. And see some really violent gameplay. Uh, maybe maybe not that. Um, yeah, I uh, I don't know what my experience with Ghost of Tsushima is going to be like because my life is going to be turned upside down uh, around the same time. So obviously, I'm very excited to uh, meet my son and you know all of that. But uh, I also want to <laughs> see if maybe I can uh, <laughs> poke some people and get the game a few days early and get some uh, get a head start on it before uh, before I have to go be an, an adult. That's fair. That's fair. So what you're saying is you're going to be a samurai. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you got to take the honorable road, the honorable path. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, the, the state of play episode, it goes into exploration, exploring the map itself, uh, samurai gameplay, ghost gameplay. Uh, and then, yeah, as you mentioned, talking about photo mode and various customization options. Um, but in addition to all that, uh, Sid also interviewed Nate and Jason uh, from Sucker Punch. And we'll cut to that and... Give that a listen and we'll be waiting for you when we get back. Hey folks, I am joined by Jason Connell and Nate Fox from Sucker Punch Productions. Thanks for coming by, guys. Thanks for having us. Hey. Thanks for having us. Although I guess if we're being accurate here, you're, you haven't really come by. We're beaming in using various electrons and photons and things like that uh, over the power of the internet. Yeah, it's a good time fancy. to be on the internet. Fancy, uh, <laughs> fancy microphones. Hey, actually, that's a that's a good jumping off point here. You know, you guys have been a little quiet for the last couple of months. Um, wanted to check in, like on the work from home life. I, I think you guys have been working from home at Sucker Punch. How's how's that how's that life treating you? Yeah, you know, we've uh, we've been working from home since about, you know, mid mid March, you know, and uh, it's certainly a change of environment and, uh, you know, miss all my um, colleagues faces uh, and getting to actually see them day to day. But, you know, we uh, try to stay in communication um, through our various channels. It's been it's been a, quite a journey, you know, technically and creatively, but um, we've managed to get to a really great stride and a, and a, have a good process. Um, for still continuing and creating great games together, which is just kind of, you know, as if games aren't already hard enough to make, you know, this kind of throws a curveball to the world and certainly to us, <laughs> but it's been certainly kind of fun to, to, to try to navigate those waters and finish up the game. Any thoughts from you on that, Nate? It was certainly a change, um, but on some level, it's been pretty interesting because it gives everyone a chance to play the game, focus on the game, and dig in on all the details that sometimes you miss when you're in a group setting. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Uh, looking on the bright side, I mean, there, there's definitely been some, I think, takeaways from, from the situation we've all been faced with here and, and working from home. Um, and, and perhaps on that note, it, it might be a good time to talk about State of Play. Uh, just the other day, Big State of Play came out dedicated to Ghost of Tsushima, uh, giving fans a sort of first big extended look, I'd say, at gameplay. Uh, how does that feel for you folks to, to finally really give fans a big eyeful of this game you've been working so hard on? It's, uh, it's, it's exciting. I mean, you know, what we've, what we've done up until this point has been, you know, these amazing uh, trailers, really proud of our teams that make our trailers, um, which, you know, largely has been from in the game or from seams in the game with snippets of gameplay. Um, and then our, you know, a big one that we did at, at E3 a while back, 
Um, but you know, this is an opportunity to show exactly how the game plays and how it feels and to, you know, debut some of the underlying, you know, cool features. It's really exciting for us. Nate, I got to work with you uh, and your team pretty closely here putting State of Play together. What was that like? I mean, it was de definitely a different process, I think, uh, than you might use to put out other types of uh, trailers or, or just gameplay footage. It's really interesting to try and take this massive, sprawling open world action adventure and say, what are the 18 minutes we're going to show the world? Um, and I think showing off exploration, combat, what it's like to be the ghost or customization. Uh, these things are all really exciting for us. And we think that they're the heart of what it is to be in that game. But it's kind of intimidating, of course, to, to just put it out there and say, this is what it is. At the end of the day, the game speaks for itself. And it's nice that we can just turn the camera on and play the game. And uh, it looks you know, good. We, we love our game. It's beautiful and fun for us. And it's it's a pleasure to share it with the world. So watching that episode of State of Play uh, and seeing so much of this gameplay for the first time, one of the things that I actually was not expecting to see was this sort of almost environmental storytelling or environmental navigation, that, that sort of guiding wind that kind of leads you uh, to, to new objectives and things like that. Tell me a little bit about how that, that concept all came together. Yeah, you know, this, this is uh, the guiding wind is, is uh, you know, it's one of my favorite features that we have in the game and we're you know really excited to be able to share that with the world at the at state of play and uh you know since the very beginning we knew we wanted to create a, a massive sprawling open world where you know you can see something you can get to it we want people to have a sense of adventure and you know be curious enough to see what's behind that you know that town or what's on top of that mountain and we also were super dedicated early on to having the most immersive experience as possible um, you know, minimal UI. And so that kind of begged the question of like, how do you are going to get around in this world? And, and we had to really kind of dig deep and, and look to the source of the type of content we're creating. And once you look at a lot of these, you know, famous, you know, samurai films, there's, there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of, you know, wind and wind became a natural feature in the game very, very early on as just an aesthetic. And at some point we realized, well, maybe the wind can actually guide us to the locations that we want to get to. And it, it worked, like a charm very early. And then we just built upon it and built upon it. And now it's a core feature of how you um, not only just get from point A to point B in the game, but also maybe how you can find hidden things as well. Yeah. And it's not just the guiding wind. I mean, there's, there's animals, there's birds, there's, there's foxes, uh, Nate, Nate Fox. Uh, tell me a little <laughs> bit about sort of how the wildlife all uh, factors in here as well. Trying to have the player look into the game world. Not at UI, but look at how the wind was pushing them in a direction, guiding them to a location, and then also keeping an eye out for something like a, a yellow bird that would guide you to something. All these things keep the player scanning the horizon. And in doing so, they might see something that kind of sparks that curiosity, which then takes them to a new place. And we want to reward that curiosity, of course, with something that's 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 literally rewarding. Uh, but the goal of all these mechanics is just to keep you tied into the beauty of Tsushima instead of playing it like a video game. We want to put you there in feudal Japan. And that's why the UI is so minimal. That makes a lot of sense. And it was a striking feature for sure. And another thing that, that really struck me just seeing the footage 
um, was first of all, the game looks really nice. It's a really beautiful game and it's a beautiful environment. And, and just sort of you get these beautiful vistas where you can see far off into the distance. Is it, you know, for the most part, or when you see these things kind of off in the distance, are you generally able to travel there? Uh, maybe, Jason, you could take that one. Yeah, you know, um, and, you know, when you were standing on that cliff uh, edge in the beginning of our uh, state of play viewing, you know, you can see that golden forest off in the background. You can see the mountains, the unique trees, the white, there's like a white tree off in the distance on the right and all of these places that you can, you can traverse to them and you can get to them. And that's part of our core design uh, philosophy for the open world is we wanted to create an experience, a true experience that, you know, uh, get lost in feudal Japan. And if you see it, you can get to it. And we want you to see those mountain cliffs and want you to uh, be able to uh, get to them. Um, it's been, it's been part of the process from the beginning. We also saw um, a good dose of combat, and that, and that was interesting to, to kind of take that in. Um, you know, how does Jin's fighting style in Ghost of Tsushima, how does that differ from maybe the combat you've seen in other games? What, what were your goals uh, for combat, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. We have this phrase that we use to describe the combat in the game, and that's mud, blood, and steel. We want it to feel really, really grounded and lethally precise. If you've ever seen a samurai movie, you, you know what it's like. You know, these men cut each other down with a single stroke of their sword. And to capture that samurai movie fight is uh, different than a lot of games because it means you can die very quickly and your enemies can too. And that took us a while to get right, but we're very pleased with the results and we think it shows up well on screen. Yeah, it was certainly really, really interesting to see. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, the ghost. And we saw some some footage, presumably early in the game, Jin was sort of in samurai garb, but then we saw a lot of action as the ghost. Um, how, how do these two, I guess, play styles, is that the right way to describe them? How do they differ? And how does Jin sort of evolve over the course of the game? So at the start of the game, our hero, Jin Sakai, is a samurai. He was raised in the code. He has all the weapons and skills of a samurai. But when the Mongols invade, he has to break with tradition, invent new forms of attack in order to overcome the odds. So as you progress, you become the ghost, this kind of larger-than-life figure to the people of Tsushima and sort of the boogeyman to the Mongols. But Jin Sakai never stops being a samurai. He always can fight with his sword, with that lethal precision. Although he picks up new skills that the player can actually choose how they want to evolve them that allow him to fight in more varied and um, stealthy ways. You know, it was mentioned in the episode, State of Play, there was sort of using fear as a weapon. And Nate, is there anything you can kind of share about what that actually means from a gameplay perspective? Well, if you watch the State of Play video, I'm sure everyone noticed uh, a Mongol who got really freaked out when Jin killed uh, kind of an elite. And the Mongol fell on his butt and was backing away in terror. And this gave Jin an opportunity to walk up and, and stab the guy. You can perform some actions which can cause the Mongols to become terrified and use that to your advantage, right? You don't have to kill everyone in a kind of a samurai fashion. Fear is a weapon like your sword. So uh, between the two of you, what are some of your preferred sort of ghost tactics and, and whether it's combat, whether it's stealth? Uh, Jason, maybe you could start it off. 
Yeah, I um, I, I, I prefer, uh, you know, to, I think a, two things are my favorite. One, you know, even though uh, we show it in the samurai section, I, it's one of my favorite ways to play in the game. I like rolling right up into the middle of the camp and just triggering a standoff. Uh, it's, <laughs> it feels to me like um, kind of setting up this like samurai movie moment where I'm going to just say, you know what, I'm going to call this guy out. And uh, I, it's just really, and I've done it a million times playing the game over the years, and it's <laughs> definitely uh, never gets tire, uh, tiring to me. I, I quite like that. Um, but every now and then, I, uh, and Nate knows this about me, I'm not a big stealth player, but um, every now and then, I really love just going in at night and just sneaking on some rooftops and uh, doing a death from above, just assassinating a guy from a rooftop. It's, it's, it's really uh, an enjoyable uh, moment in the game. Um, and it feels like you just really, you know, got the, got the drop on some guys. Nate, how about you? Any, uh, sort of preferences in terms of your play style? I love to hang back and get headshots. Um, it's my preferred <laughs> play style because frankly it is, it, it's kind of the sneakiest, right? Nobody sees the arrow coming. And then once you've carved a path through the enemies and it is, you know, an open world game, you get to choose how you want to do it then using the rooftops like Jason so that you can move unseen to set up the perfect assassination. I think that is one of the most satisfying things because you made it happen yourself. Yeah. I also, I'll say that, uh, you know, like any great samurai movie, I've, I remember seeing this in samurai movies as a kid as being able to deflect an arrow out of the, out of the sky. And I'm so happy that we showed that in this, in our state of play. Um, <laughs> yeah, because awesome. I, I use that. I use that quite a bit. That's awesome. You know, we also got a look in the episode about just kind of customization, you know, as everything from, you know, how you play to how you look. Uh, We saw charms. We saw all these other things. So just talk a little bit about, you know, maybe, you know, weaving in with these different elements and ways that people can kind of customize, like what a player is going to kind of experience as they move through the game. Like they're going to get new skills. Like how does that work? Well, the player does start off as a samurai. And as you build your legend, you do get the ability to grow and invest in all new abilities. This is pretty standard video game stuff, right? We give the player agency in determining how they're going to grow. But on top of that, and I think in a very interesting way, the armor that you get is something that you can evolve as well. And I say... It's interesting because I really like the way it looks. I love to collect all the different armors and change the the different colors on them to make uh, my Jin Sakai look exactly the way I want to. But everybody's different. Everybody has a different preference. And we're trying to make that samurai movie come alive. And that is a lot of different things to different people. So the game supports that kind of uh, choice that players have. We also got to look at photo mode. Um, this was one, this, this concept of photo mode, I, I can't recall seeing it before Infamous Second Son, and, or maybe it was just an Infamous Second Son, uh, which you folks also, uh, of course, put together, uh, you know, did it so well. But I, I guess, did you, did you folks sort of expect to be kicking off this, this big movement and all these, all these games now have these photo modes? Yeah, it's uh, it's cool to see. I mean, we were de- we were definitely one of the early uh, earliest voices in the in the you know, world of photo mode in games, um, and it's 
quite frankly, I mean, I use it on every single game. Like I've um, just done it on all the most recent games and they're just, it's like if the cinematographer photographer in me just lights up um, when I get to, you know, see this beautiful moment in a game and I just like, Oh, this is, this is a moment for me. So, uh, and you pause it and you do all your, your fun stuff. But um, so the evolution of it in this game was uh, certainly an opportunity, even early on, you know, I started thinking about what, what would photo mode for, you know, Ghost of Tsushima um, kind of entail. And, you know, as soon as we, you know, made the guiding wind, this like big thematic and mechanical element in the game, well, then it's, it's, it was, it, it was very clear to me that photo, our photo mode for this game would, would uh, have motion and movement and you can control the wind and change the direction um, because that is part of composing a great shot or a great, whether it's a moving image, um, a video or a still shot, that sense of movement is so powerful in the game so we give you a ton of control over that and and uh you know we can do a bunch of other stuff that we couldn't do before like putting black cinema bars up and you know cool uh, mission kind of calligraphy stamps over the screen just to really kind of drive home that cinematic feeling before we wrap up i wanted to ask each of you what you're most proud of about the game uh, at this point in time at least i'm sure it's changed over the game's development but nate maybe you could kick it off What, what what are you most proud of with the game when we set off to make this game, uh, wanted to capture the spirit of samurai movies that we we love or um, comics that we love. And uh, kind of integral to that is this idea of the wandering samurai who walks into town and, and solves the problem with the edge of his sword. And that's the part of the game that is is really appealing to me. I'm very proud that the game gives players that experience. Jason, how about you? Yeah, I think the thing that I'm most proud of when I really step back and spend time just just losing myself in the game, it's kind of a bucket statement, but I just love the tone of it. I love sitting in the world, you know, on my horse and hearing this like this amazing thematic music. I feel like I'm transported to feudal Japan, but it's got this this got this great thematic feel to it the art and the colors, the lighting, it's just really gelled together and speaks to speaks really well together, you know, as I'm just kind of enjoying um, the countryside, I really get lost in it. And, and it, to me, it makes me feel like I'm, I'm, I'm traveling somewhere. And I, I quite like that. And you combine that with, you know, being able to use the, the wind throughout that environment. I'm sold. I'm just kind of totally lost in our game. I love it. <laughs> That's a good sign, I'd say. Uh, if you if you folks make it and you still like playing it, then I think that is a promising statement indeed. I am dying to get my hands on this bad boy. Luckily, it's coming out July 17th on PS4. Nate, Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. All right, welcome back, everyone. Again, thanks to Sid, Nate, and Jason uh, from Sucker Punch for uh, sitting down to talk about Ghost of Tsushima. We're obviously super excited about it, and this week's been a great time to just immerse yourself in a bunch of information and gameplay. Uh, so it was great to get that extra context as well. So thanks again. 
And as we move into the back half of the show, uh, this is where we get into some of our listener letters. Mm-hmm. And I think we have one here from Steve that, Kristen, you were going to take a crack Yeah. At. So we have one from Steve R. He writes in to say, uh, I just wanted to write to tell you how much I enjoyed episode 364. Uh, I've been listening to your podcast for about six months. Congrats on becoming the official PlayStation podcast. And while I have generally enjoyed the show for the entire time, this particular episode hit a lot of high emotional chords with me. I laughed out loud at Sid telling the loud motorcycle guy how impressed we all were by his loud <laughs> motorcycle. I really enjoyed Kristen's perspective and passion for Persona 5 Royal. I greatly appreciated seeing dreams getting more attention, and I loved the discussion on improving one's career, even if I don't envision myself becoming a games journalist ever in my future. Uh, Thank you for your work and commitment for making the podcast and for your passion for games and the PlayStation platform in general. Well, thank you, Steve. That's really nice of you. Um, Lovely. Thank you. Yeah, we some of our segments kind of go in weird places, so we it's always nice to have uh, feedback like that and hear that you guys are enjoying the show. Um, so thanks for writing in. Also, the motorcycle guy continues to ride up the street constantly. So maybe it's the same guy who's uh, who's terrorizing you and Sid. It you know it might just be who's to say. In my old apartment, there was a guy like that who came by at around 11 p.m. every night. So maybe it's the same guy and he just rides all the way down from San Francisco and then <laughs> just like kind of terrorizes the quiet town of San Mateo later. Well, I night. think it was it was a motorcycle up our street, but everyone could hear it through the microphone and it was just like going off. It was it was quality. Oh. It was good. There's a, there's I like, like a, to think it's always the same guy. There's a legend uh, on our street of like, Anytime, anytime we hear loud, like top 40, like 80s ballads, mm-hmm. it's like, oh my God, here he comes. And you, we rush to the window and it's this guy driving like a gigantic, like family style motorcycle with, you know, not a cool looking motorcycle at all. Just like big, burly, like hard angles everywhere. Um, oh, but weird. instead of like, you know, stereotypical, whatever you would shorthand, like, oh, motorcycle, oh, here comes like some kind of rock or metal or something. And it is just the most top 40, 1987 to a ballad blasting <laughs> and echoing down the streets. And it's like rushed to the windows. It's him. He's back. And it's uh, like the ice cream man. Oh uh, it's God. a modern day ice cream man. It really is <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> incredible. I used to have in my, our old apartment, our kitchen, like everybody's kitchen faced a courtyard in the center. And so like, if anyone had your kitchen window open, everybody could hear everything. It was just like this echo chamber. And for, <laughs> I'm not kidding for about two years, every single day when I would come home, someone on the third or fourth floor had their window open and they were blasting on repeat for at least half an hour Ariana Grande song, Dangerous Woman. Just the same song <laughs> over and over. Sometimes they were singing along with it. <laughs> and I remember when it stopped, I was like, oh no, they must have moved. You know, Something's I only wrong. recently learned to appreciate uh, that Ariana Grande is actually a great musician. Uh, oh yeah, she has a phenomenal voice. Yeah, I, I always just kind of wrote her off as another top 40 so-and-so. But um, when... On the last vacation I went on, man, remember when we could do that? Uh, (laughs) We listened to a lot of that in the car that we had rented. And I was like, dang, this is actually some pretty good stuff. Um, So, yeah, shouts out to Ariana. I know you listen to the show. (laughs) Please write in, Uh, Ariana. Tell us us all about (laughs) your Please come on the show. Let us interview you. That'd be great. Do you play any Uh, video games? Uh, We got another letter here from Justin Grove, friend of the show, who says, Hey there, podcast crew. On the last episode, Sid asked if anybody had any interesting anecdotes from their experience with the beautiful artistic experience in video game form, Journey. Well, I have one for you. 
After playing through the game on PS3 when it first came out and being absolutely amazed by it, I decided I wanted to go for the trophies. Come to find out there's a trophy for playing the game from the second level until the end with the same player. Easier said than done, considering the nature of the game. So my brother brought over his PS3 to my place and hooked it up on a separate TV, and we kept going into the second level at the same exact time, hoping we would sync up with each other so we could get that trophy. After several attempts, we finally synced up with each other. We were able to tell by the chirps and movements mixed with real-time communication. Every once in a while, we would lose each other somehow between levels and have to start that level over at the same time, hoping to reconnect. Eventually, after a lot of trial and tribulation, we both got the trophy, and I got a beautiful 100% in that game. Thanks again for the weekly entertainment in these trying times. Stay safe. That is wild. What a story. Dedication, too. Like, dang. Yeah, there was one other letter that came through that um, I didn't put the whole thing in here, but um, shouts out to the other person who wrote in about Journey who was talking about uh, they and their daughter um, playing with somebody in the wintry part of the level later on in the game. Um, And uh, their daughter was so... Uh, fixated on helping their partner get through the level because the daughter was kind of backseat gaming, uh, Mm -hmm. couldn't quite manipulate the controller at that point. Um, And the daughter was so, so like, no, we have to help them because their, their scarf had gotten short and they couldn't jump across the gaps and everything. And finally near the end uh, of the level, they uh, had to make the call to move on without their compatriot. And uh, the daughter made the call and said, okay, I guess, I guess we have to move on. And she started crying. So, so. Um, so, <laughs> what a journey, yeah, journey uh, took her on. <laughs> di- didn't get the whole letter in here, but thank you for writing in as well. Um, I thought that was a beautiful story. I love that, man. That game really just like has such such an effect on people. It was just such a such an experience. Yep. Great game. Uh, maybe I'll play Journey again. It's been it's been a while. There was a period where I was playing that game like once every year, but uh, it's been a while. Maybe it's time. Nice. Definitely into, uh, yeah, I'm definitely into uh, meditative, you know, thoughtful games where it's, uh, no pun intended, the journey is, uh, the literal, like, journey across the stage (laughs) is a big part of the experience and not just beating the stage or completing that mission. Uh, It's just, like, um, whether it was Death Stranding last fall, which I got super into, uh, and platinum that with about 120 hours of uh, walking all over that map. Um, and I think last week I've mentioned, uh, for whatever reason, I got really into and I'm still playing snow runner, uh, which is the first game like that, where there was mud runner and, you know, these games where you pick, go through different flooded or different muddied like up or yeah. And now there's like yeah. an Alaska map where it's really treacherous, like ice and stuff like that. But there's just something the whole first area is this giant flooded Michigan map. And I'm like just enjoying driving around and it's got the full autumn colors and fall leaves and stuff. And just like, just driving around, clearing maps, uh, fixing bridges, nothing big. And it's just <laughs> been uh, weirdly calm. And then I get stuck in the mud and it's just, the it really captures that feeling of, Oh my God, how am I going to get out of here? This is going to take all day just to get out of this. And it's like a legit hour of me just backing up. Nope. Backing up. Nope. And uh, oh somehow that's God. fun. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. If it if it scratches that itch, like for some people, and I mean, you're right. It's it the the word is absolutely meditative. Like there are so many games, yeah. so many people I've heard that play that are into those simulator type games. They're into the mud runners and snow runners of the world, or like farming sim. Uh, 
even like Ace Combat, I've heard for some people that it's like, even though that's a little bit more action oriented, like just Mm -hmm. the idea of like mechanically, I am going to like be, you know, working this vehicle in some way. Mm. It can just be really relaxing for people. So, I mean, I'm I'm not driving anywhere right now. Speaking (laughs) of meditative, uh, Brett, you you played Paper Beast recently. I've been thinking about getting into it. Like, should I should I play Paper Beast? I think I should. Right. I mean, I I was really happy with it. And it it is that kind of meditative space where it's a lot of just what's going on and letting the letting the world guide you somewhere and just it really wants you to pause and think not, not try to play it so much as a game where like, okay, this is a stage I need to beat. And more like, what am I looking at? And what am I, what, what, what is the game trying to tell me and how should I play this? Um, and cracking that nut was just part of the fun of like, yeah, there's puzzles like actual video game style puzzles, but just the, just the feeling of that world was so good uh, nice. and, and very unique. So I, I mean, I, I definitely recommend it. How uh, how long did it take you to finish that game? I was curious about just kind of what I'm getting myself into if I started up. I don't think uh, I don't think it was too bad because I, I feel like I played it off and on for like a couple of weeks, and I and I would purposely like finish a chapter and then just kind of like put it down, think about it, um, hmm. play play another thing for the rest of the week, and then come back. It was kind of like my Sunday game in a way where oh, yeah. I would just like okay, Sunday afternoon, all all work is done, laundry's done. Uh, you know what? Play some Paper Beast. And then by the time I finished it, it was probably like across two or three weeks. Um, nice. But yeah, I, I don't feel like it was like this giant project where, oh man, this is going to take forever. I think it's it's a pretty doable thing. Yeah, I've learned to appreciate uh, the the qualities of uh, shorter games lately, especially Definitely. since I've uh, liked my, the games that I put a lot of time into are the ones that I put a lot of time into your destinies and your final fantasies. And those are just kind of my go-to like when I'm not playing something else, that's my default state is playing one of those games. Um, so I find it harder to commit to, that's why I haven't started persona five Royal yet because, um, (laughs) I know that that's like a hundred hour commitment and I'm just like, ah, I don't know. That's that much time that I would not be playing one of these other games. And then obviously with, uh, Tilu and ghost and uh, a child on the way, (laughs) maybe I can't do a hundred hours right now, but I think I could, I think I could carve out some time for a paper beast. That doesn't sound like a lot of work, Justin. I think. (laughs) Yeah. Man, Good well, times. I mean, speaking uh, speaking of like shorter games that are easy to to play in like a night or two, and also PSVR, uh, I played through the Room VR Dark Matter this week. Oh. Um, it was so much fun, you guys. Which I mean, yeah. we we played through the first level of it on uh, PlayStation Underground, and I already was like literally like giggling in my chair because I love puzzles so so much. Like I am ten thousand uh, percent like Ron Swanson <laughs> on Parks and Rec, just being like, I love puzzles. <laughs> um, so this game was just like made for me, and it was so much fun. Like it's just PSVR is the perfect way to play it. Everything about it was just like it's super tactile. You know, you're picking things up, you're turning knobs you're finding keys you know you're 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 solving puzzles and like lifting up all of these different objects um and the the designs of like all the different rooms that you go to were, were really cool like one of them you're at this like archaeologist place uh or place it's like a natural history museum um, but there's like an egyptian section there was like this section that was in uh like an old church there was a section in a, a witch's den like it was just a very very interesting game it went places i did not expect it to go when i first heard about it um 
but yeah, if you're if you're in the mood for just like a, a relatively quick, I would say, because I think total it was maybe four hours. Um, I guess it depends on how good you are at solving puzzles, but <laughs> um, it, it, it's a really good game and I highly recommend it. Um, I think just generally I've been playing, we've been playing more PSVR games uh, just in, in life right now, because it's similar to Justin. I've been playing a lot of like very long games lately. I, you know, I had Persona 5 Royal. I had Final Fantasy in the middle of it. Uh, before then, I was playing The Witcher 3 and like Assassin's Creed Odyssey still. Like I'm constantly still diving back into those games. And it's sort of like endless content there. Like I know I can always go back to them and there's going to be more. Uh, but it feels really nice to accomplish this like small, smaller thing that it's like, I did it. Yay. Me. Yay. Yeah, and you. then you get little mini versions of that every time you solve a puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do like being able to check things like check things off, like uh, in between uh, pulling trucks out of ditches. I was I played through all the streets of rage four and like unlocked a bunch of characters. And, you know, it's one of those games where, yeah, unlocking things and seeing the ending was only, you know, this much time. Mm-hmm. But playing it and really like digging into how these characters control and maximizing combos and all that stuff. That's a whole other thing. Like I can keep going back to, um, but I was able to get in, see the ending feel like, okay, this is what the game was doing. Love the soundtrack, which uh, is on Spotify for what that's worth. Mm. Um, so give that a listen. Uh, but yeah, being able to balance these huge games with a short, like, let me knock that one out really quick. Um, which I think you can do with paper bees. Nice. I will give it a shot. Uh, in other news, not video game news, I finally watched that show devs. I'm not sure if I talked about it on the show. Yet, yeah. I don't think we've ever talked about it on the show, but a bunch of us have watched it. Um, it continue. was really it's, good. It's so good. <laughs> I loved it. I, um, I didn't, I don't have a lot of experience with Alex Garland's work. I never saw Ex Machina. I didn't play Enslaved, which I think he worked on. Um, but uh, I did see Annihilation, which I guess was adapted from uh, from a, a book. novel. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I saw that in theaters, and I left the theater a little kind of lukewarm on it because I I don't know, like I didn't really love where it went near the end. Um, so I went into devs thinking like not really sure what I was going to think of it, but man, right from that first episode when it kind of introduces the concepts that it's going to be exploring over the next few episodes to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh my goodness. I was hooked very early on and uh, yeah, what a ride throughout those, what, what was it? Eight episodes or eight something episodes, like that. Yeah. I was going to uh, say we, uh, we watched it on Hulu. I'm not sure if it's anywhere else. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very, very like, I want to say cerebral show. Um, for sure. But it's, it's just beautifully designed. Like everywhere you, every frame is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of it too, some of it is filmed in San Francisco. And so a part of mm-hmm. me was like, oh, I've been to that park. I know where that is. Um, yeah. So that's cool. But on, on just the other frame of it, like some of the way that they look at just like the tech industry as a whole is just spot on. <laughs> and they um, nail so many little details about, living in Silicon Valley and just kind of how people live their lives. I like there's one random detail that I was like, oh, cool. It was just the fact that on their little TV stand, there was just like a stack of game cases just kind of lazily piled up with (laughs) some stuff like kind of piled on top of it. And I was like, yeah, that's I mean, that's totally it. Like (laughs) they nailed it. Yeah, wasn't somebody playing Dark Souls? It was like Dark Souls 3 or something in one of the shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, it was it's just a really solid show so also highly recommend and also justin you should see on it's so good yeah 
Yeah, okay. and the uh, the actress uh, who played the main character is in it as well. So. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. yeah. She uh, actually she actually was also in Annihilation. She was like the shiny creature thing at the end. Oh man, oh, what? Yeah, yeah she, I love that she's, entire part. She's kind of I forget the actress's name. I, I know it starts with an S. It's like Sonia or something. Um, huh. But she's I think she's like become Alex Garland's like muse or something because she's been <laughs> in a lot of his recent projects. Nice. I will check it out. And if you like the show and the themes it gets into um, about which gets into some deep, heady sci-fi stuff, uh, I would encourage uh, there's a great PBS series called Space Time um, that goes into a lot of that stuff. And there's general like here's information about black holes and astrophysicist conversations, but uh, they get into a lot of the same topics that devs deals with uh, without spoiling too much of where it goes and exactly what's going on with the story. But um, if you like those themes and this you know the implications of that uh there's a lot of like here's what scientists are studying and think might be the case with this some of this stuff so yeah uh, uh, there's a big rabbit hole you can go down oh i'm super into that i'll check it out it's called space time yeah pbs space time from the public nice. broadcasting service. <laughs> i'll check it out <laughs> thank you good recommendation I think that brings us to the end of episode 365. Uh, if you have feedback for us, uh, let us know. You can email blogcast at sony.com. We know fun it is. Fun fact, the- fun fact, I have reached out to IT and I am uh-huh. in the process of creating a new mailbox for us. So Whoa. stay tuned. Hopefully by this time next week, we'll see. Everything's shaking up. <laughs> yeah. So... But yeah, in the meantime, uh, still, you know, as a homage back to the original name of the show, blogcast at sony.com for any feedback, hit us up there. Um, or actually, uh, if any of you guys have short games, like a game that could be played mm. in like a night or two or a weekend, uh, write Ooh, into us yeah. at blogcast at sony.com. Let us know what short games you've been playing. And we Give can me your short games. List. Give us your short game. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you can also find us at PlayStation.blog, of course, um, at PlayStation on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. As always, if you enjoy the show, tell a friend, send them a link, uh, speak highly of the <laughs> perpetually on-topic show that uh, that is the PlayStation <laughs> Podcast. Uh, again, st- thanks to Dormilone for the theme song. You can go to dormilone-music.com. Thanks to Corey Schmitz for our logo. And uh, if there's nothing else urgently bursting from your minds at this exact moment, uh, we'll wrap it up and we'll see you all next time. Thanks, everybody. Watch devs.